48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines. Pressure mounts on the chief executive, Carrie Lam, to defuse the political tension here as protests continue. Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung says police are exercising an extreme level of tolerance in the face of current challenges. And about 100 people have been staging a protest outside the Department of Justice offices on Lower Albert Road. Political analyst Joseph Cheng says the chief executive, Carrie Lam, must make prompt action to defuse public anger. Otherwise, she gives the impression the government isn't functioning. Mr Cheng says it seems Mrs Lam doesn't want to meet the public or the media or make further concessions over her now shelved extradition bill that's drawn millions of protesters onto the streets. He says without decisive action, she'll find it difficult to command loyalty from the pro-establishment camp. A rapid decision, a rapid announcement on the withdrawal of the Fugitive Amendment Bill and the initiation of an independent investigation commission into the entire incident, into the entire crisis, would be very healthy. And of course, these concessions naturally should accompany a statement indicating that the government, in fact, has returned to normal functioning. Meanwhile, Civic Party lawmaker Kwok Ka Kee has called on the chief executive, Carrie Lam, to consider taking long leave if she feels she's unfit for the job for the time being. He criticised her for being irresponsible as she's not appeared in public since she offered an apology for the controversy at a news conference last week. He said the problem remains unresolved. To refuse to appear, to refuse to acknowledge a request and to refuse to make a decision is entirely irresponsible. It will only hurt Hong Kong more. So I would request, maybe she would like to resign. We would be happy to see doing so. If not, if anyone, without any reasonable reason, absent from work for nine days, he or she should probably to look into what happened. And if she thinks she's unfit for the job, at least for this moment, why don't she take a long leave so that other people in the administration can take care of the sequelae as a result of this extradition bill. Hong Kong cannot wait for someone to recover. Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung says police are exercising an extreme level of tolerance in the face of current challenges. Over a thousand people surrounded police headquarters in Wan Chai overnight, the second such, such action in a week. Mr Cheung says a plain-clothed officer who wanted to get to work was blocked and chased by protesters. Police said they arrested one person for assaulting an officer and took ID numbers of 60 other protesters suspected of causing criminal damage to the building. Chief Superintendent John Chair from the public from the Police Public Relations Branch said people sprayed graffiti on walls and CCTV cameras, blocked the building's entrances and shined laser pointers into officers' eyes. He said the one Chai Police Report Room had to suspend service and there was a delayed response to 19 emergency calls. About 100 people have been staging a noisy protest outside the Department of Justice's offices at Justice Place on Lower Albert Road in Central. They're chanting their demands for the Secretary for Justice, Theresa Cheng, to come out and speak to them and to exonerate anti-extradition protesters. This protester says they want the clashes on June the 12th not to be classed as a riot. 12th of June, the police are categorized as a riot. So most of the protesters weren't agree with the decision. So we're trying to get her to clarify on the wording of the event that happened on that day. 
The wife of a jailed mainland lawyer, Wang Quanzhan, has been told that she can visit her husband tomorrow, which would be the first time she's seen him in person in nearly four years. Li Wenju received a phone call from a Shandong prison telling her of the news. In January, Mr Wang was sentenced to four and a half years behind bars for subversion. The lawyer has never been seen since. He was arrested in the summer of 2015 during what's known as the 709 crackdown across China of more than 200 lawyers and human rights activists. Australia's foreign ministry says it's seeking urgent clarification on the situation of one of its citizens who is believed to have been detained in North Korea. Alex Sigley, who's 29, is a student at Pyongyang University. Here's the BBC's Hal Griffith. Alex Sigley's been studying Korean literature in Pyongyang for over a year. He also runs a tour company for foreign visitors, which promises to show them around North Korea. But concern over his whereabouts is growing. His last message on social media was on June the 24th. It's believed that friends have reported him as missing. And there are some reports that he's been arrested. In a statement, the Australian government says it's providing consular assistance to the family of a man thought of being detained in North Korea. The first televised debate of the 2020 US presidential election has highlighted policy differences between 10 of the 20 candidates for the Democratic nomination. There were heated exchanges as progressives and moderates outlined their positions on issues including health care, tax, immigration, climate change and Iran. Here's the BBC's Jane O'Brien. Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, she is really carving out her position as the leader of the progressive pact, at least on this particular night. She is one of the candidates who believes that in order to fix the system, you have to restructure it. Other candidates, like Amy Klobuchar, is staking out her claim to the more pragmatic lane of the Democratic Party, saying you can actually take what exists and improve American lives by improving the system as it is already. The United States Senate and House of Representatives are at loggerheads about how to ease the migrant crisis on the border with Mexico after passing rival plans. The Senate approved an emergency spending package for the border, but it voted down a similar bill passed by the Democrat-led House, which would have placed more restrictions on how the funds are spent. The Senate's measure now goes back to the House. Both President Trump and the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi say they hope the bills can be reconciled. But the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy criticised the Democrats in Congress for the way in which they were handling the issue. Now, after weeks of doing nothing and denying that a crisis exists, they're offering legislation that is misguided and is purely political. They're once again taking what should be a bipartisan issue and inserting partisan poison pills. Dalai Lama has criticized President Trump's America First policy. The Tibetan Buddhist spiritual leader also questioned the president's character, saying Mr. Trump lacked moral principles and was constantly changing his mind. One day he says something, another day he says something, but I think lack of moral principle. Oh, when he became president, he expressed America first. That is wrong. America she should take the global responsibility. Addressing European attitudes towards migration, he said the EU should accept migrants and help them with schooling and training so they could return home better able to build their countries. Repeated his belief that if there was ever a female Dalai Lama, she should be physically attractive.
Spanish police have arrested a Brazilian Air Force sergeant after three bags of cocaine were found on a military plane sent to accompany the president part of the way to the G20 meeting in Japan. Here's the BBC's Candace Piet. The Brazilian Air Force said in a statement that 39 kilos of cocaine had been found in the sergeant's bags during a stopover in Seville. He'd worked as cabin crew for years on the support planes accompanying presidential trips. The officer had been assigned to stay in Spain and accompany the president on the final leg of his trip home. Brazilian media said he'd made 29 such journeys and had accompanied three Brazilian presidents. President Bolsonaro tweeted that he'd asked for full cooperation with the Spanish police and for severest penalties to be applied, if appropriate. British researchers using radar data have identified 56 previously uncharted lakes between the Greenland ice sheet. Until now, only four had been detected. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Amos. The idea that large volumes of water can form under an ice sheet two kilometres thick might seem strange, but it'll happen if the rocks at that depth have some warmth. In Antarctica, the subglacial lakes are enormous. Lake Vostok, in the middle of the continent, is 250 kilometres long, but it's not possible to see it at the surface of the ice sheet. The new Greenland lakes are nothing like as big, just a few kilometres long, but scientists need to understand their distribution. Water acts as a lubricant, and as the world warms, modelling how quickly ice might slide towards the ocean will inform projections of future sea level rise. Researchers in Britain and Canada say vaccination against the virus that causes almost all cervical cancer is having a major impact. They found a two-thirds reduction in instances of two strains of the HPV virus. Here's the BBC's Lauren Moss. In the most detailed study of its kind, researchers looked at data from 60 million people in 14 countries over eight years. They found that among women aged 20 to 24 who'd been vaccinated against the human papillomavirus, there was a 66% decline in two high-risk strains which are linked to cancer. Cases of genital warts were also down by 54% and there was a 31% drop in precancerous lesions. Public Health England says this research indicates there should be a substantial decline in cervical cancer cases in the near future. The US Federal Aviation Administration has discovered another problem with the Boeing 737 MAX aircraft that has been involved in two crashes since October. It's reported to be linked to microprocessors in the computer system. And while it's not known whether it played a role in either accident, the FAA says Boeing must mitigate the risk. That will delay any possible test flight until at least July the 8th. All 737 MAX aircraft are currently grounded. Finance, and a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,545. That's 321 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $38 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading 108.1 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 13 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 90 cents. Sport now, and here's Adam Chung. We start with football. The first of the quarterfinal matches at the Women's World Cup gets underway tonight with England up against Norway. Looking ahead to the match, the BBC's Vicky Sparks. My players will embrace the pressure. 
That's the message from Phil Neville. It's not just a semi-final they're playing for. Team GB spot at next year's Olympics is also at stake. England beat Norway in the last 16 at the World Cup four years ago. Skipper Steph Horton scored in that match, but Neville says she and fellow centre-half Millie Bright are both injury doubts. Norway are without Ballon d'Or winner Arda Hegerberg, who's refused to play for them for the last two years, but you get the sense their team are keen to keep on proving they can do it without her. Liverpool's Mohamed Salah was on target as Egypt defeated DR Congo 2-0 to reach the last 16 of the Africa Cup of Nations. The BBC's John Bennett reports. Egypt are living up to their billing as pre-tournament favourites. Experienced Ahmed El Mohamedi scored the first goal against DR Congo following a goal-mouth scramble. Approaching half-time, Jonathan Bellingi hit the bar for DRC but just minutes later, the moment the 70,000 fans at the Cairo International Stadium had been waiting for. After great work by Trezeguet, national hero Mohamed Salah rifled a shot past the keeper at his near post to make it 2-0. Salah's up and running. His team will take some stopping. Next to the Cricket World Cup, where Pakistan have boosted their hopes of reaching the semi-finals. They beat New Zealand by six wickets at Edgbaston, handing the Black Caps their first defeat while mounting pressure on host nation England. Pakistan now just one point outside the top four, as the BBC's Henry Moran reports. The pressure on England keeps on mounting. Pakistan's six-wicket victory at Edgbaston means they're now just a point behind the hosts and pre-tournament favourites with two much easier fixtures to conclude the group stages. In front of a noisy and predominantly Pakistan-supporting crowd in Birmingham, New Zealand recovered from 83 for five to post a target of 238. And though it took until the final over, the result rarely looked in doubt. Babra Zam's brilliant 101 not out guiding Pakistan home. They now face Afghanistan and Bangladesh, matches they'd expect to win whilst England take on the might of India on Sunday and then New Zealand, knowing they likely can't afford any more slip-ups. The New York Yankees have extended their Major League Baseball record of consecutive games with a home run to 29 games after their latest win over the Toronto Blue Jays. Didi Gregorius and DJ LeMahieu connected as the Yankees overcame a 5-0 deficit to win 8-7. The Yankees now head to England, where they'll play two games against the Boston Red Sox at London Stadium starting Saturday. They're the first ever Major League games to be held in Europe. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Pressure mounts on the chief executive, Carrie Lam, to defuse the political tension here as protests continue. Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung says police are exercising an extreme level of tolerance in the face of current challenges. And about 100 people have been staging a protest outside the Department of Justice's offices on Lower Albert Road. And that's the news from RTHK. 